Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters podcast, a series of candid conversations with leading experts about how individuals and organizations can grow and protect their finances, tailored around current events and trends. Here's your host for today's podcast, Brian Peterangelo. Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, June 24th, 2022. I'm Brian Peterangelo, and welcome to the podcast. As a reminder, we recently celebrated a new holiday this past Monday, known as Juneteenth, which is the celebration of the emancipation of African-American slaves back in June 19th, 1865. And joining me today on our panel of investing experts here to shine the light on this week's market activity, we have Steve Haight, our head of equities, Tim McDonough, Senior Portfolio Manager for Fixed Income, and Justin Tentallo, Senior Lead Research Analyst for Equities. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including our key questions article series highlighting a key concept for the week that may be of interest to a lot of our investors. So for today's conversation, this week's economic calendar was fairly light, so we'll get into our open dialogue with Steve, Justin, and Tim. And as you think about your forecast coming up for the next three months into the summer, given that we just started back on Tuesday with summer and the summer solstice, when you think about it, are we, are we in for brighter days ahead or are things looking more gloomy? Thanks, Brian. Yeah, the economic data definitely sparse this week. So diving right into what was actually moving the markets and you know, what kind of sets us up for a really interesting summertime period is the discussion that Chair Powell had in front of Congress with some testimony this week, basically doing his Mario Draghi, whatever it takes impersonation. Um, and we've, we've really seen recession probabilities jump um, on the, my, my Bloomberg terminal this morning, I'm looking at the recession probability within the next 24 months now is posting at 98.5%, um, given that, that Chair Powell recognized in, in public that, yeah, the cost of getting inflation under control could be a, a recession, albeit likely to be a modest one, but possibly one nevertheless. And when you look at the Atlanta GDP now, now cast, uh, we're, we're hovering right around zero. And that has proven to be a, a pretty reliable directional indicator of where we're headed in terms of what we see for the economic numbers that'll get posted when the numbers actually come out. Markets have been all over the place. I mean, there's been unprecedented volatility or divergence in volatility between equities and, and fixed income. I want to get Tim McDonough from our fixed income portfolio management team in here to, to talk about both of these things. Tim, what were you, what have you seen in the bond market this week when you're looking at the, the volatility and the, the reaction to some of this discussion out of the, out of the fed, you know, maybe finally acknowledging reality, right? Yes. Thanks, Steve. You're right. We've seen moves in the bond market that are more akin to the equity markets, quite frankly, um, I think given the 75 basis point hike and then the testimony to Congress this week where, where Paul reiterated that term, we will unconditionally fight inflation, has caused a, a rally in, in rates across the curve, actually. You know, we kind of saw a peak uh, last week and, you know, treasuries, munis, 
they're both uh, lower, rates are lower on the week. So you're right, Powell has been uh, the name of the game. Uh, we're hinging on you know the words that come out of his mouth and the testimony. And uh, right now you're right, it, it, it's volatile. And uh, it's something that we generally don't see in fixed income markets. Market moved really aggressively too to change the expectations for both what the peak of the hiking cycle would be and the timing on it. The timing on the peak of the cycle, they pulled all the way into early 2023. And we actually start started to see the Euro dollar futures market pricing in uh, a significant cutting uh, cycle starting ne early next year, um, which you know, I think is, is a real, um, again, it's a reality check, right? I mean, we've seen these expectations shift and move and go all over the place. And I think people had, had thought that rates could, could potentially get quite a bit higher than what they may actually end up being. Um, we've certainly seen the energy complex come under a lot of, of selling pressure, commodities have pulled back as we've seen the, uh, the economic expectations of, of potential slowdown get priced in. Um, something else that's been under a lot of pressure lately has been Bitcoin. And I want to bring Justin into the conversation, Justin Tentalo, our, uh, from our multi-strategy research team. Justin, what, what is your take on what's been going on with Bitcoin? I mean, I could, I could, I could come up with a, uh, we could use a euphemism for it given the recent performance, but I'm, I'm not going to go there. What do you think? Yeah, thank you, Steve. Um, yeah, good point. Bitcoin has not uh, been spared some of the uh, you know, major drawdowns that we've seen across financial markets. Uh, what might be interesting is that you know, some of the correlations, usually Bitcoin sort of moves on its own and goes through boom-bust cycles independent of traditional financial assets, but that's not been the case this year. Um, it's had an, a, a very serious drawdown. It's down about 70% from its 52-week high trading just around uh, 21 or $20,000 right now. Uh, whereas last year, mid to late last year, it was at a, a record level of 67,000. Uh, a couple things to note on that is the first that this is not the first time Bitcoin has uh, drawn down so aggressively. Uh, in the last 10 years, Bitcoin has fallen by 80% from its recent high three times, three separate times in 2011, 2014, and 2019. So we're almost at the fourth time. Um, that is the nature of this super uh, long duration speculative asset that really has no cash flow and is, um, as we all know, is kind of difficult to conceptualize what it actually is, if at all, a financial asset. Um, but, you know, it's in good company, to be honest. If I look at the some of the large cap stocks in the US um, from their 52 week highs. There are some you know, real brand names that are down even more than Bitcoin. I'll give you a few of them. And this is you know, nothing to say about the valuation or, or the opportunity for any of these names, but just factually, they're down by more than 70%. Those names include uh, household items like Zoom, Moderna, Netflix, Zillow, DoorDash, Etsy, PayPal, Lyft, all these stocks are down by more than 70% from their 52-week high. So when, when we think about, like you mentioned, um, the, the Federal Reserve and Chair Powell and 
their aggressive move to sort of pop the everything bubble, uh, Bitcoin certainly did not escape that. Justin, you know, you bring up an interesting point and, you know, that's something that I've been spending a lot of time thinking about. And that is this whole idea that Bitcoin, people may have thought of crypto originally or may not originally, but like in the last couple of years, it had maybe been pitched as a as an inflation hedge an alternative currency, this and that. But really what it seems to me that this um, this this pullback, this cycle here in 2022 has shown is that really what crypto slash Bitcoin, that universe is, is it's really concept capital, right? I mean, it, it, when I look at the names that you just gave, those are, are future focused, conceptualizing or, you know, and technology enabling kind of companies. And really, it seems like Bitcoin is trading symbiotically with them it definitely isn't quote unquote digital digital gold it's it's something else entirely and you know it doesn't mean that this thing doesn't have some kind of a, of a future it's just that it's not going to necessarily be the future that people may have thought you know it's a it's concept capital definitely if we think about uh, how long we've had to think about stocks and bonds these assets have been around for hundreds of years uh, cryptocurrencies were created in 2009. So we're really learning about the nature of these assets as we go, because we just don't have the history there. Uh, the early hypothesis was that since these are, uh, you know, um, assets that have a uh, fixed supply, they are digitally scarce. That must mean, or the extrapolation was that uh, that they may be a, a terrific uh, hedge against inflation, uh, sort of like digital, and that's where it came to the uh, moniker of digital gold. Well, it, that's not the only thing that affects the price of Bitcoin. If you think about it like a, a scarce digital asset, what else affects Bitcoin is the fact that there is no cash flow. It is a concept uh, asset, as you mentioned, similar to some of the long-term growth stocks uh, that, that I listed through. And when there is a, a, a move toward tighter money, that may pop the aura around some of these long-duration assets, these speculative assets. And there is no mechanism that ensures or that um, guarantees that in times when inflation increases, that scarce asset prices go up. And I think a lot of folks have, have learned that about cryptocurrencies uh, the hard way. Hey, Justin, one question. Have you seen any correlation between uh, Bitcoin and investor sentiment uh, throughout 2022? So that's hard to sort of isolate and say with certainty, but certainly the, um, you know, an observer may, may, may conclude that Yes, as tighter money came through, uh, as some of the hiccups in, uh, in inflation outlook started to come through, that, that causes the tide to go out. And uh, as the euphemism suggests, those who are swimming naked become uh, you know, obvious and apparent. And uh, there are some idiosyncratic parts of the cryptocurrency space like Luna and Terra um, that, that had their own sort of uh, problematic uh, deleveraging stories 
that go over and above what's happening in the equity markets. But certainly the anything that has to do with concept uh, financial assets or crypto or long duration growth stocks, when there is a change in the monetary policy and change in the stance of inflation expectations, people take a sobering look at what their uh, historical thesis was with some of these assets. And then it becomes a speculative run for the exit. So it, it probably does have a, an increasing correlation between the speculative stocks and speculative crypto. Both have their idiosyncratic quirks to it. But yeah, I would say that's, a, that, that's probably a, a pretty apt um, you know, observation is that when, the, the, when bubbles are pricked, uh, you know, they, they, they uh, seem to have a lot in common. Well, the other thing too that jumps out is, you know, with the, the move down in Bitcoin and, and Ethereum, which is the other major one. I mean, you can see that there are a number of these hedge funds that have been involved in this space in particular. Um, not going to list them here, but they're, it's been, been all over the financial press that these, these guys aren't even returning calls anymore for investors or, or, and such, so it seems like there's there's quite a bit. There's going to be a rationalization of of this space due to the do the pullback. It's no different than the the move down in uh, 2000 2002 in tech stocks. Um, you got you had a rationalization of the space, changes in the actors who were were involved in the space. But you know if you if you if you look back in it his in history. You did pretty good if you bought Amazon on a 95% drawdown in, in 2001, right? So I, I think we just all need to have an open mind about, about how this is going to evolve. I don't have any idea, <laughs> I'm, I, 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 uh, uh, I, but I'm fascinated, fascinated to watch it, fascinated to watch it. The one thing I'll say about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies uh, that, uh, that, that sort of is, is, is Pretty interesting within the context of the dot-com bubble that you mentioned 20 years ago is that pets.com and some of the you know flagrant uh, violators of uh, forward outlook uh, those businesses eventually went away and so we didn't hear much about those stocks that dropped 99 percent because they were delisted they went bankrupt etc the interesting quirk about Bitcoin is that as a peer-to-peer -peer network, it sort of lives in the background, even in very, very dark days. And prices may reflect that. They may be down 80, 85% as they have a few times over the last 10 years, but it just sort of never goes away. So it'll be a uh, force to be reckoned with in all boom and bust cycles, unlike maybe pets.com that had one was memorable for some folks, but then, um, you know, moved on in life, sort of, sort of to speak. So I'm going to pivot back to finish our discussion on the equity markets for the week. So nice to see the S&P 500 closing the week on a positive note. This is uh, it, the, the month of June is likely still going to finish down, um, but uh, it definitely we're, we're, we're rebounding off of the, the, oversold condition that we had been in. Uh, we've seen the S&P now up, up, up a number of days in a row, gapped higher this morning. 
Um, so definitely a feeling like we're having a, a decent bounce here. Likely look for this to carry toward the round number at 4,000. Um, and then we'll have to see how, how things go. That's also the same, the neighborhood of the declining 50 day moving average, which right now is, is around 40.65. Um, to me, you still are playing with a bear market playbook as long as you have a series of lower highs and lower lows in place. Uh, so really to get start to get more positive on the S&P 500, we need to see the market move higher through the level right around 4,200. Um, that would start to get us more positive on the on the outlook and to, to say that the, the, the bottom is in. Um, you can tell by the tone I've got, though, that I don't necessarily think the bottom is in. If you look historically at the, the playbook that you use during a midterm year and you use during a, uh, and we've seen in the past in, in years where we've had a start like we had this year, um, typically, the summer is a period of time for market volatility, um, and you don't get the, the bottom put in until you get to September, October, right ahead of the election season, and then the market rallies into year end. That's the playbook that we think is likely to obtain this year as well, too. Um, it, so, so even though it feels nice this week, we would still we still argue that you need to stay rigged for heavy running in this market environment and to expect more volatility as we move here through the rest of the summer. Um, next week, we look for the market to be uh, to be pretty quiet, frankly. You know, you've got the uh, July 4th holiday weekend. Next weekend, the market is closed on the Monday following next weekend. So pretty much the back half of next week is likely going to be crickets. Um, so we'll look 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 forward to uh, seeing seeing the rest of the summer and seeing how it plays out. We're two weeks away, two and a half weeks away from the start of earnings season. Corporate earnings are going to really be important this 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 month uh, as we go through and see our analysts going to start to mark down expectations. We've not really seen the S&P 500 forward earnings numbers come in yet at all. Will there be another shoe to drop there or not? I think it's an open question. Um, analysts have not historically been too accurate when it comes to being um, being spot on with these things when it comes to, to cycle terms. Um, and we have really seen them not mark down expectations whatsoever, even with economic activity slowing. So uh, I think the next couple of weeks are likely to be, uh, be pretty uh, important um, for the path that we have during the rest of the summer. But next week, uh, it's likely going to be pretty, pretty sleepy. So any thoughts on that stuff, guys, as we head into the, to the end of the call here? Yeah, I'll just say that um, I'm, I'm looking at the earnings estimates, analyst forecasts, and you're right, it sort of has plateaued. We haven't seen very many cuts yet to next year's earnings, but maybe is the cross currents between an expected recession and, you know, where do inflation, uh, how does inflation show up in corporate earnings, right? You may have inflation of, of, of earnings estimates offsetting uh, that lower demand coming from a potential recession. So we may not see major cuts if indeed it is a, a mild recession as the, uh, you know, the investment community is starting to, to um, uh, aggregate around. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's certainly a, a point of focus for me. And, and as you know, the, uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, the outlook and expectation around inflation is, uh, is changing and evolving. And so those are, for me, the two most important parts. And what might otherwise be a fairly uh, sleepy, um, you know, uh, time uh, going forward.
Thanks, Steve, Tim, and Justin for the interesting conversation today. We always appreciate your insights. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to our Key Wealth Matters podcast on your favorite podcast app. And as always, past performance is no guarantee of future results. And we know that your situation is personal to you. So please reach out to your relationship manager, your portfolio strategist, or your financial advisor to get more information. And we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of a collection of financial professionals representing key entities, including Key Private Bank, Key Bank Institutional Advisors, Key Private Client, and Key Investment Services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, member FDIC, and Equal Housing Lender. Key Private Bank and Key Bank Institutional Advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services, LLC, or KISS, member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency USA, Incorporated, or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with Key Bank. Investment and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. KeyBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2022.